Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back. Ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. My next guest approached me online and requested to be part of the show. And once I heard her story, uh, it really was a no-brainer that I said yes. Fitz Kohler is one of the premier race announcers in America, hosting some of the largest and most prestigious races from coast to coast. As a celebrity trainer and journalist, she's worked with hundreds of the biggest stars such as Brooke Shields, Christina Applegate, Venus Williams, and of course, the Wiggles. She trains people of all walks of life to be fit and healthy with a specific passion for running. She's a breast cancer survivor who has lived to tell the tale in all its gory detail in her book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. Hailing from Florida, USA, Fitz captured me with her southern charm and also challenged me to a marathon if she makes it to Australia. Cross your fingers, folks. Welcome, Fitz, to The Ethical Evolution. Thanks, Bindi. So happy to be here with you. Yes, I'm so glad uh, you could finally make it. Now, you're coming to us from the US. Uh, Whereabouts are you located? I am in Florida. So uh, much like you guys, it's sunshine most days of the year. Tank tops and flip-flops is our wardrobe. Uh, Y'all have crocodiles. We've got alligators. It's a very similar type thing, but yeah, Gainesville, Florida and home of the University of Florida Gators. If that means uh, anything to anybody in Australia. Go Gators. Yeah. Go right. Gators. That's right. <laughs> now, can you tell us about your background and what you do? Yeah. So I do a variety th- of things that allow me to laser focus on one thing, which is helping folks live better and longer. So I'm a fitness expert. I've been teaching for about 30 years. I started as a teenager and I teach via mass media. So for the past two decades of my career, it's all been all television, books, radio, magazine, corporate presentations. So I've worked as spokesperson or speaker for companies like Disney, Tropicana, Oakley, Home Depot, or Office Depot, companies you may have heard of. Yep. And um, I own a large school running program called the Morning Mile, which allows every child to get moving every day along with the family and faculty. 
And last but not least, probably one of the most interesting things I do is I'm a professional race announcer, which Mm. means I man the start and finish lines of some of the largest, most prestigious running events in the United States, Los Angeles Marathon, um, Philadelphia Marathon, Big Sur, Buffalo. I'm I'm sure some of those cities sounds familiar. And you know, and the, and the DC Wonder Woman and Batman run series. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, as people arrive to the event, I get them engaged, informed, organized, entertained. I whip them into a frenzy and then I yell, go. They leave me and that makes me super sad. But eventually they come back to me where I'm at the finish line, um, hopefully making every last one of them feel like a champion. Wow. What what an amazing job. I would love to do that. That'd be amazing. It, it's... <laughs> I'm so fortunate, so fortunate. I'm really blessed with what I do and I love every minute of it. Yeah, and uh, you must get so much joy from doing that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a caregiver. You know, I love mm. to take care of other people. I love to see and support other people being successful. And with virtually everything I do, I get to be part of other people's success. And, you know, the efforts they make really matters towards their resiliency and their quality of life and their length of life. So... Um, some people have plaques and awards and trophies on their uh, desk, and I'm happy for them. My rewards come daily with happy people mm, living well. So that it's is good. so good. Um, now, as a fitness expert, um, you've had your own health battles too, haven't you? I have. I have. It's been a weird couple of years. So, can you tell us a bit more about that? I sure can. So um, I can start by saying that I've always been passionate about my own annual exams and self-exams and a big proponent professionally of others following suit. And so in December of 2018, I went in, had my clean mammogram, posted on Instagram, woohoo, clean mammogram, go get yours. Less than seven weeks later, I was standing in a hotel bathroom at Disney World and I rubbed my under boob where everybody knows what an under boob is, but yeah. I just had an itch and I scratched and all of a sudden I felt it and it was very distinct. It was a bean that should not have been. And um, the most important thing I did that day is within 30 seconds of finding that bean, I picked up the phone and I called my doctor. I did not Google it. I did not call my mom or my girlfriends and cry and say, what should I do? I knew what to do. I picked up the phone and I called my doctor And so within a few days, I was at the doctor's office who referred me for a mammogram and ultrasound. And the next day I had a punch biopsy, which wasn't a lot of fun, but um, it yielded the results a few days later that indeed I had breast cancer. And I believe about 12 days later, I started chemotherapy. So um, within seven weeks, I had formed a sizey tumor. Three lymph nodes at least were infected. And this thing was on the move. It was it was trying to kill me. So I'm very grateful that, you know, number one, I found it. Number two, I acted. And yeah, that set off a chain of events, which created a very exciting and dramatic year to follow. So mm. thankfully, I'm right now I'm cancer free and I'm very happy. Oh, that is so amazing. Oh, that is so good to hear. But I mean, you know, like there's so many women who might find a lump or something like that. And they're just like, oh, it's nothing. Or they'll talk to their friends about it and they'll obsess over it or they'll get really stressed and do nothing. But you're right. The the first thing you need to do is go to the doctor and and just make sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that um, people like to put their head in the sand and pretend nothing's wrong. If I can't see it, it can't exist. That's it, yeah. But, you know, 
doctors don't creep into your bed at night to look you over (laughs) and see if something's going wrong. So, you know, you have to schedule the annual exams, but then if your body sends up these red flags and, Mm. you know, if you're breathless all the time and you didn't used to be, that might be sign that you're having heart failure. If you've got spots on your body, your body's saying, help, I've got skin cancer perhaps. And then, you know, lumps and bumps, your, your body will let you know for the most part, people just have to, um, not ignore mm. those signs, those calls for help and, and not feel silly about going in to see your physician. And if, if you go in and your doctor says, Hey, this is no big deal, then good for you. But if you go in and your doctor says, whew, thank goodness we caught this now, mm. we can treat it and fix it. Mm. Then that's a gigantic win, right? Yeah. And I think it's so important that we share your story so that women do, um, you know, take action because, um, yeah. They can, they can be fit and healthy just like you. Yeah, and I am exhibit A of uh, if it can happen to me, it can happen to everybody. Absolutely. I'm certainly not perfect and never have been, but I did most of the right things most of the time. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wrote my book is I just thought uh, people don't know better. Mm. So tell us about the book. Yeah, so the book is called. She's got it up. No- <laughs> I got it. I'm like, learn my noisy cancer comeback running at the mouth while running for my life. And so the book chronicles, you know, all the juicy and gory details of my breast cancer experience from, you know, that clean mammogram to diagnosis. And I can say the terror of diagnosis because it was, Mm. um, you know, I'm a, I'm the ultimate optimist and I'm a very steely gritty person. Not much gets to me, but I was terrified and I became a weepy basket case for <laughs> quite a while. You know, it's, it's the stress of cancer is unlike no other. It yeah. really was um, difficult. And so, you know, I wrote the book for two reasons. Number one, once the side effects from chemo started kicking in, the mountain of side effects became absurd. And it's Mm. funny because people tell you, you know, when you have chemo or have cancer, you'll be sick or you'll be tired and you'll likely be bald in certain, with certain chemos. And I was all three of those things, but nobody would tell me that my eyes would change colors. Really? Or that, yes. I didn't know that one. And so look here. So um, I have always had eyes that people would say, gosh, your eyes are gray. They're so interesting. They're gray. And so they were technically blue, but they were really gray. And I woke up one morning in a hotel where I was announcing a race, like four o'clock in the morning. I take a shower, fortunately quickly, because bald heads are easy to maneuver. But um, I come out and I look in the mirror and it was son of a gun. What is that? My <laughs> eyes went solid navy. They were Whoa. navy blue. They look like these saucers on my face. And I thought, that can't be right. What? And I, I looked at pictures. I thought, this is bizarre. But at that point, my vision hadn't been altered. So I thought, okay, well, I've got 5,000 people waiting for me. So I got to get up and go. And maybe it's just in my mind. That's what I thought. Maybe it's just in my mind. And then my announcing partner, Rudy, shows up at the door <laughs> and he knocks. And I open it up. He goes, what happened to your eyes? <laughs> I was like, ah, there you go. So right now they're not green anymore. They're, they're a, they're a legit blue yeah. eye, um, which is unusual for me. So that was weird. Um, I mean, they're just my fingernails, they rotted out while on my fingers. So uh. I know, look at your face. You're like, oh yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> there was, there was no part of my body went unaffected. And then some of it, was so preposterous that it became funny. And I'm, I'm a sarcastic, 
person and I will always find the bright side or the funny side. And so even though I was deteriorating, I thought two things. I thought, why doesn't anybody ever tell you this? So mm. I've, I've been, now that my book is published and I can't be influenced by other writers, I've started picking up other people's memoirs. Nobody, absolutely yeah. nobody tells what it's really like. And that's one of the things I thought, like, why isn't anybody coming clean about this real experience? And um, then I thought, well, this is really funny. And so I started identifying with fi fictional characters. So as I was bald and then I had rash, like these bump bumps on my head, I became the ogre Shrek. And then <laughs> uh, I was Shrek for a while. And then when I lost my eyelashes, I became Voldemort. And, I, you know, it was sad, but it was kind of funny. And then when you... Um, combined my cancer care. So I had I had 21 rounds of chemo, which lasted 15 months. Mm. I had 33 rounds of radiation and then several surgeries. So it was a, it was a busy year. And for the most part, I felt like I had a te tequila hangover almost <laughs> every day. Um, but I still kept my race announcing schedule. I decided in advance, I am not going to um, miss out on my events. I'm not going to miss my runners. I don't care what goes on with my health. I'm going to be there. And so I had 22 major slash massive events to announce. And I got on 22 different flights and sometimes totally dazed and confused. And um, the measures we took to keep me on my feet were pretty interesting. So I'd get on the uh, airplane in Florida, fly to Los Angeles or New York, and get off the plane and um, I'd be driven straight in to go have IV fluids or there would be nurses coming to my hotel room to give me IV fluids. So um, it was, you know, like I said, I got raw with everybody. It's juicy details. I think anyone who's anyone being diagnosed with cancer now could really benefit from it. Anyone who's had cancer and treat, been treated for it, I think they would have a good laugh, anyone in the running community. But, um, but yeah, I could have titled the book Adventures in Breast Cancer because it was just, it was a, a year and a half of chaos. And, yeah. um, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's a tale of triumph. And uh, hopefully we'll provide hope to those who need it most. Sounds like an amazing story. And I bet it's it's full of laughs and, and tears. Um, but, you know, you're right. Um, I've had friends who've gone through chemo as well. And it's almost like it resets your DNA. Like, um, you know, if you've had straight hair, you end up with curly hair, like your eye right. colour changes, all these kind of things. Um, you become a completely different person. Yeah, in many ways. <laughs> you know, it's I still look at myself in the mirror and think different, different. So my I, for my whole life I was a long-haired person. That's just what I preferred. And it was down to my waist. And then all of a sudden – I was bald or I'd have one little wiggly <laughs> hair on top blowing in the breeze and I would look in the mirror. I, the mirrors, anytime I'd pass my reflection, whether it was a car window or a store window, I would think, oh my gosh, you're so bald. You know, it's just <laughs> freaky. And then I lost a lot of weight and I was so a really skinny person and my, um, my face got puffy, but it had no fat. So then it was wrinkly and puffy. Yeah. I, just, I just kept looking at myself thinking, Lord, what is going on? And now I'm, you know, I'm getting the color back in my face again yeah. and becoming healthier again, but it, it definitely is bizarre. And I tell you what, um, I, I'm not, well, it's almost like having a baby. So, you know, having my kids really, really hurt, but the next day I almost forgot about the pain of it all. Yeah. You know, so I, I do feel like I'm back in action being full force Fitz Kohler again, and I really like it. 
Love it. Love it. Now, in the work that you do um, in fitness, can you tell us uh, about some of the people that you've helped and the difference that it's made? Uh, You know what? Um, Every person I've helped matters, but I can tell you that I have people that have lost hundreds of pounds and some people that have just lost 10 pounds and that really made the big difference. One of the things I'm proud of is the amount of people that have come back to me and said, Hey, my doctor gave me a high five and said, Mm. my lab reports were beautiful. You know, my cholesterol is down. My blood pressure is down. You know, those things that really are health factors are being improved. Um, with the athletic community, you know, I, I find with runners, runners tend to only run. And because of that, they were, they're weak and they're tight. Mm. And so as I travel to these races, I teach strength training for runners clinics on fitness.com, my website, I have a strength training for runners video. And so it's really neat to hear people when they come back and they say, I'm running further, I'm running faster, which is great. And then most importantly, they say, I run pain free. And to give people that, Mm. that's, that's incredible. And runners, you know, it's, it's different than it was in the seventies. Back in the seventies, everybody was this lean little person Mm. and they look like a runner and they ran every step of each race. And now do y'all have Walmart? Do you know what Walmart is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, our Walmarts are open 24 hours a day, but I always say that my races, no matter which distance I'm hosting, they, uh, my runners look like anyone you would see at Walmart at 3 a.m. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's an every man race. It's every body type. It's every color. Um, it's every age. We've got little kids. We've got 90 year olds doing full marathon. I have people running marathons with zero legs and I'm not joking about that. They yeah. have zero legs and they've got prosthetics and they go the distance. And then some people are running in Darth Vader costumes and I can't figure that out, but it's a really fun community of people that, you know, they care about their, their health, um, great causes, their community, their givers, and they show up usually with a smile on their face. So, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to work with such a spunky group of people all the time. <laughs> well, Fitz, I, I did something silly last year and I... Let's um, hear it. I, uh, a friend of mine uh, was raising money for domestic violence um, in the Gold Coast Marathon last year and she's quite fit. She used to be like a, a, a pole fitness uh, instructor wow. and um, <laughs> here I was, I was on a journey of losing 25 kilos and wow. um, she's like, oh, come with me. <laughs> and so we did it together. Uh, and I only did um, the, the fun run part, which was only 5Ks. But for someone who had not done that before um, or went, had done a similar thing before and almost died, um, it was like, I, you know, I nailed it. And it, like it was the best feeling. Like it's so intimidating if you haven't done it before. And the yeah. preparation for it is intense, not just physically but mentally, um, you know, to get yourself across that finish line. And I think, yeah. um, you know, if you can get through the pain and, and you know, the, the the stamina involved in it, like there's no other feeling in the world like it. It's nice to feel proud of yourself, right? Mm. It's nice to accomplish something, especially in athletics as a grown-up, right? Mm. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> especially as a kid, I was never into all of that kind of stuff and I was just like... I actually got a medal at the end and I was like, it's the yeah. first medal I've ever, ever got, you know? Uh, well, congratulations. <laughs> and I tell you, the brave part is not getting to the finish line. The brave part is getting to the start line. 
if you get to the start line, you're going to go the distance. And I, I think it's very interesting how many people still ask, they'll say, Fitz, is it okay if I walk? And absolutely, yeah. you know, we call them a race, but there's really only a, a few people up front that are trying to win it. And then there's some people trying to beat themselves, you know, yeah. they're racing themselves, but there's never anyone out on a course requiring you to bend your knees and propel your body off the ground. So, you know, we have a maybe, you know, percentage wise, we get 20% of the people exclusively run. We get 20% of the people exclusively walk. Yeah. And then there's a 60% in the <clears throat> middle that does some sort of run walk combination and it, and it all matters. And I tell you what, as I'm calling a finish line, when I have, you know, I'll say Los Angeles Marathon, we get the Africans come in, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, and they're on fire. They're so mm. fast. And I respect their speed. And I respect all the effort that goes into winning um, this event. And they collect their prize money and wear their flag. And it's beautiful. But the people that steal my heart are the back of the Packers. You know, I love the fact that Bindi's back there and, you know, you gave it a go and you were probably terrified when you showed up that day, but you went through the, you went the distance yeah. and when it got hard and your brain started saying, just quit, you didn't, you kept going. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of Bindi's out there like that. <laughs> and that really, you, you're the, you're the one that makes um, me excited to get to the start line as I work. And, you know, you're reflective of, you know, the world's population of runners right now, that every, you are exhibit A of the running community. So I hope you come back and do another. More. <laughs> well, uh, after the last one, I was, I wasn't sure if I was going to do that again. Um, but <laughs> um, I think, back. I think one of the coolest things, cause you know, Hey, like you have your little bib on with your number and all that, yeah. um, getting towards the finish line, people don't know you, they see your name on the bib and they're calling out and they're cheering you. That probably was the coolest thing. Cause I went there on my own and I had nobody to support me and all these strangers were just yelling out my name and I was just like, this is amazing. And, yeah. you know, it was it was incredible. And, um, yeah, as a result, you know, we did it for a fundraising thing. So they basically create teams and, and do fundraising. We we managed to raise enough money to put in a, a, a kid's playground in a in a shelter. So, That's you know, it's, it's a win-win really. It, it is, and it's um, your own health, your community, and great causes, and the great majority of our runners or events are um, working towards making a better life for somebody or something, so it, it, it definitely matters, so keep keep doing that. Even if you're not going to want to race for your own joy and your own accolades and your medal, keep going back for more playgrounds. Yeah, and uh, you'll have to come over and uh, try the Gold Coast Marathon. It's absolutely beautiful all the way along the, the beaches, so. So here's the deal, Bindi, mm. is, um, you know, I can say it comfortably. I'm, I'm one of the most prominent race announcers in the United States. I would like to be one of the most prominent race announcers outside of the United States. Ooh. So um, I am certainly hunting for an opportunity <laughs> in Australia, New Zealand, you know, most of Europe speaks English, any of the world majors. So, yeah, hopefully I will make it over over to you. I would like that very much. All right. Well, if you come over, I'll do the 5Ks again. Hey, how's that sound? That's a deal. <laughs> now, um, you know, we've been talking about uh, your cancer diagnosis and your fitness and everything like that, and no doubt you've faced insurmountable challenges. What do you reckon yeah. has been your biggest and how have you overcome it? Definitely was the breast cancer. Um, yeah, I just, the fighting for your life mm. is a, a unique burden, plus parenting with cancer. It oh, was yeah. a unique um, 
well, not probably not unique because there's so many parents around the world being diagnosed and getting treated for cancer. So trying to um, mask my symptoms or my stress mm-hmm. to make sure that they weren't stressed and uh, really managing the stress of it all. I mean, I, I, I'm a joy addict. This is what I love. This I love being happy. I love being energetic and to be knocked down so hard. And I was knocked down very hard. And interestingly enough, what I decided at the beginning of my treatment is no matter what went wrong, I was going to put on a happy face. I wasn't going to give cancer any of the glory. And I never wanted to be um, a a center for pity. Right. Mm. And as I was diagnosed, I made a little video to just inform my, the public that this is what I was going through. And I specifically said, you can pray for me and what wishes um, no pity necessary. I don't accept it. And will not be missing any of my show. I perform as a kid and things would be cheery. So it's funny. I look back at that video and I think, oh, I was so cute. Like I had no idea what I was really up against. But uh, you know, how did I get through it? Uh, there was a there was four things that really pushed me to live fully while I was being treated. So number one, I kept perspective. So I wasn't a kid with cancer. Mm. It wasn't my kid with cancer. And fortunately for me, it wasn't one of the more typically lethal types of cancer. So I was grateful for that. I never had a pity party. I would just say, well, I'm not a baby. Can you imagine being two years old with chemo? Yeah, That would no not way. be fun. So yeah. I've got no com- room to complain. Um, number two, I pursued my passions. And that really allowed me to live. You know, when I would... Um, I'd be out on the road. I might have spent the night on the hotel bathroom floor because I was so sick, mm. but I'd get up, put in on my put on my clothes, my running shoes, go to the stage. And the second I stepped on my stage, it was like someone hit my on switch and I was fueled by, you know, runner generated adrenaline. And I got to be full force Fitzkohler again, sometimes four hours, sometimes eight hours until the last person crossed the finish line. I was almost full speed again. And that was amazing. So I I hope everyone pursues their passion, whatever it is. So if you like, you know, music, gardening, whatever, do that. If you like animals, great. If you can't be with animals, get on the internet and watch the dodo videos, you know, those cute (laughs) little animal videos. I mean, you have to pursue the things you love to keep you going, or you end up um, in, in despair, which is not a good thing. And then also positivity. And that might sound cheery, but The fact of the matter is when I could have moped around Mm. all damn day, I found a reason to smile. And what I've learned is that you get no extra points for being the saddest girl in the room or the most miserable. So I definitely had my moments where I just sobbed, but I would, I would actually do that alone. I would sob in my car. I would just stop somewhere and cry, or I would cry in my own bathroom, but I tried not to even inflict that on my family. That was my voice. It doesn't mean I must go that route, but um, perspective passion, positivity. And then last but not least, I, uh, I had to, I had to talk myself through these things. You know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm really, I used to be a full contact kickboxer. So wow. I'm a tough person, you know, I can do hard things mm. and that that's actually what got me through it. I'm a, I'm a medical wimp. I'm squeamish. I'm claustrophobic. So going into tiny machines for scans was mm. terrifying, getting poked in the chest all the time, you know, very scary. So I would, I started telling myself and I didn't, I didn't really mean to, but I kept reminding myself that I can do hard things. You know, I would think about kickboxing or raising great children or building a, an amazing business. And I kept saying, I can do hard things. So it's, um, well, there's one back here, but I now have 
you know, when I, when people in the States buy my book, I Mm. have stickers that say I can do hard things. It became a little bit of a mantra or became a lot of bit of a mantra. And, you know, I needed the encouragement to move forward. And, you know, you go through a lot of it alone, even with all the love and support from family and friends, it's a very lonely experience. So, so Fitzcaller in my head was like, you can do hard things. You can do this, just keep going. And, um, I did. So, um, yeah, those, that's my advice for anybody going through anything hard. Oh, so, so true. You know, and, and a lot of the conversations I've been having this year, particularly around what's happening in the world and the tough time everyone's having, um, no, no comparison by any means to cancer, but, um, you know, finding your passion and, and leveraging from that is so super important at a time like this because it's how you get through every day and that mindset really, um, if you can hang on to that and, and have that fuel you with your passion, like you're going to get through any damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as far as the going through the things in the world today is what I, what I find is most people are good people. You know, most everybody would come to help you if you needed it. If Mm. you fell down, most people would reach down and help you up. I keep getting told that there's some sort of race war in the United States. Well, P.S., my entire community is multicolored, multicultural, multicultural, and we all look at each other and say, no, no, there's no race war here. We're, Mm. we like each other. We're supportive of each other. And so, you know, the big picture is most people are generous and kind and supportive. And then there's a few bad seeds and, you know, you deal with those as necessary, right? Yeah, you know, I was I was looking back uh, just last night um, at a at an Instagram post I did oh, a couple months ago, and it was all about uh, we we are the stories that we tell ourselves, and um, I think that's really um, what you've described there, and and what we were discussing offline. Um, you know, I just think uh, we need to be conscious of the, the stories that we tell ourselves and that, you know, we can turn a new page and write a new chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to disagree. I mean, I I don't think there's anyone on earth I agree 100% with on any topic, Mm. but it's okay if you think differently than I do. In fact, it makes it more interesting. I prefer a conversation with somebody that has opposing views than someone who's going to mimic everything I say. (laughs) Totally. So I say. So true. So here at the Ethical Change Agency, we're all about being ethical, right? So I'm curious to know, uh, can you define what being ethical means for you? Um, being ethical. That's it. You know, it's such an important thing. You don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> Give an answer <laughs> There's to no wrong answers. Ethical. No wrong answers. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest with you, I respond to the that girl in the mirror and mm. man, she's got really, she's got viciously high standards. And so, you know, when I face her each day, I have to know that I've done my best of my ability for the people I care about, my country, um, my community. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are worried that someone in the sky is looking down and judging them. And that's fine too. If that's what keeps them in line, great. But for me, the girl in the mirror is, man, she's a, she's a monster if you do something wrong. So, um, so yeah, ethical to me means that I've lived up to her standards and, you know, I feel good about that. Awesome. I love the answers to that question because everyone is different and there is no wrong answer. No wrong answer. Big question, Bendy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at those, apparently. <laughs> so, um, you know, you've got your book out. Um, what what are your future plans at the moment? I know it can be hard uh, in in the current climate to plan, but uh, what what do you got happening for you? 
Yeah, so it's tricky. Um, they've shut down most, well, for a while, all large mass gatherings. And I'm mm. sure most people in the world have had the same experience. Races are finally starting to pop back up. Um, but I've had 40 of my events canceled. Mm. So I've, you know, I found myself uh, flailing a little bit and then pivoting and making sure this book got out. So I'm spending my time marketing the book mm -hmm. and hoping um, to put that in the hands of all the right people and, you know, grow that side. I would very much like to um, speak on this topic as well. I think there's <clears throat> a lot of interesting avenues just for the cancer community. And, and clearly that's one that is strong, but uh, professionals, you know, they need to learn how to be gritty. They need to um, decide who they want to be. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a speaker. My job is to poke people in the chest, shake them until they uh, see straight and kick them in the can and help them do better. So hopefully working on not only getting more races back in my life in different exciting places. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously I'd love to come hang out with you and the kangaroos, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, more speaking and, uh, there's a guy uh, in the States, Jack LaLanne. I don't know if you're familiar with Jack LaLanne. Jack I've heard would probably the name. be about yeah. He'd probably be at about a hundred right now. But he um he was called the godfather of fitness. And back in the forties and fifties, he started teaching people how to eat wisely and exercise without diets, pills, powders, supplements, snake oil of any sort. Mm. He was just a guy who taught people to live better and uh, he had that household name. And so I'm close. I'm closing in on that, but I, I want to help everybody. I mean, it's, it's a lofty goal, but I, I do, I want to head over to Afghanistan and, you know, climb in through some sort of Sandy mountain and dig out the people and help them, you know, learn, learn to do better and be better. So, um, yeah, yeah. More, more impact on more wonderful people. That's, that's where I'm going with this. So I'm working hard, Bindi, always. Well, um, <clears throat> a previous guest, I think I'm going to connect you with, who's actually in Afghanistan and actually does fitness with women in Afghanistan. So I cool. think you two need to talk because I, love that. I think you can change the world over there. Um, so, um, if people want to find out more about you and, and, uh, get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, I hope they will come over and definitely get in touch with me because I could always use new friends. But my uh, business, my brand is Fitness. So that's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S. -S, so fitness.com. And then I am at Fitness on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And I absolutely love it when people follow and reach out and engage. And uh, your book, where can we grab that? Oh, my noisy cancer comeback. Look it up on the internet. You'll find it. It should pop up, but um, definitely on Amazon okay. for certain, wherever you are in the world. Amazon's the go-to, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I have the final big question for you, Fitz. Are you ready? Oh boy. You ready? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Well, I'm going to stick with my own mission statement. And I wish people would take their ownership of their own health. Mm. Um, there's absolutely <clears throat> nobody who puts food into your mouth, but you. So a lot of people point the fingers at their spouse, their yeah. friend, their whatever, but nobody opens up your mouth <laughs> and jams food in. So you got to be responsible for what you put in your mouth. You have to be responsible for moving your body, which matters every single day. You get quality sleep. You remove the cranky people from your life. 
you go get those annual exams and squeeze your stuff. It's your hands. <laughs> it's your stuff. You put it in your shirt. Guys, put it in your pants. But you got to squeeze your stuff and you may save your own life. So take responsibility of your own health. Oh, love it. I love it, love it, love it. And we love you, Fitz. Thank you so much for joining us on The Ethical Evolution. Thanks, Bendy. Thanks for listening to The Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.